Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 104. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by the birthday boy, Thomas Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Hey, I'm officially old now. Um, But isn't it episode 105? Is it? I think so. I thought I thought we just, like, we should still count last week's episode, even though we weren't willing to release it, and okay. just had to cut the whole thing. I think, um... Yeah, I think that, that that should just go down as an asterisk of how we saved ourselves. 105, okay. I feel yeah. you. So yeah, dude, how does it feel to be... Uh, well, this is like your second 40th birthday, right? Yeah, my third or fourth. We're going backwards at this point. Um, <laughs> but it felt good. It felt good. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't do anything major. Like I saw some family, uh, and, and that was really it. Just been doing a bunch of stuff around the house, and... Uh, my last semester of grad school started today, and my professor's kind of like kind of old school. So usually, I, I mean, I don't know what other people are doing um, with their classes, but we're still having Zoom lectures the exact times the class was going to meet. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night from 6.30 to 9, I'm going to be taking vector analysis and, and applied stats. Oh, sick. Yep, I'm so looking forward to it. That's wonderful, man. Yeah, I can't I can't wait. Well, at least you're not a foreign student, right? Dude, I can't <laughs> believe that. They're like, yo, I know that you're here for school, but since you're taking online classes, like, you can go back home. Yeah. Can't stay here. That's uh, fucked up. What I if guess... they what if they live in Europe? Is Europe gonna be like, no. Uh I know that you're from here, but you were in America, you gotta go back you gotta go back? I mean, they don't live in Europe, right? <laughs> I I didn't go to school with any Europeans. I don't know. Okay. I mean, I think they have their own good schools to go to, right? They probably do. They're a lot more affordable too. Yeah, exactly. That that's. I mean, maybe there's like <laughs> a single digit handful of kids, but yeah. I hear um, you. That that might have sounded like the most racist thing I've ever said in this cast, but it really wasn't supposed to be. No, I actually don't think it was. You pointed out the inequities yeah. in educational funding and how, like, you can get a free college education in Europe that's on par with the education here. Um, you don't, don't get to have that experience of blacking out every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Oh, yeah. Um, because I mean, they focus on academics and not a party. So I'm casting from my in-law's house, and we talked about this before, but um, my mother-in-law's uh, pretty high up at Northeastern, so we're we're sort of getting into the whole like college tuition online debate. It's interesting, man. I- I'm really curious to see what's going to happen this fall. Yeah, I mean, especially with North- Northeastern. I remember uh, I got accepted to Northeastern and was looking at their programs, and it was like it was always five years with an internship. So, like, not only do they get you for the four that everybody else does, they're like, yeah. well, because we want to give you a better education, like, make sure that you have some leeway into the workforce, we're going to have you work for free for a year and pay us tuition. And that should really set you up for the future. Yeah, it's got a little bit of that private prison feel to it, right? I mean, I, I don't want to go that far. I don't want to go that far, but uh, I know, just fucking around. I, I remember that was one of the reasons why I didn't show, why I did not pick Northeastern. Same, actually. But so, yeah. Anyway, you, anyway, not to bash your in laws. Speaking of, uh, speaking <laughs> of, I don't know what celebrations. What did you do for the Fourth of July? Oh, I I stayed in. 
Um, I played a little bit of World of Warcraft because this is my last week uh, before I hit rank 14. But listen, maybe it's just the neighborhood we live in, but for the two weeks before leading up to 4th of July, fireworks every night. For the last few nights after 4th of July, fireworks every night. Like, I'm amazed that my kid slept through my neighbor shooting off fireworks literally in the street. But I was about to have that Clint Eastwood, like, get, like, get off, get off my lawn moment. Like, I just got into my 40s for the second time. And I I was almost like, no, this is not going to happen right now. Uh, I, I can't imagine what's going to happen to me in like 10 years. Dude, you got to film that. <laughs> <sighs> it's craziness. They'd be like, holy shit, dude, this is a giant. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm I'm a pretty big guy. So, yeah, dude, we uh, we had, I don't know what happened with fireworks this year. What I heard, this sounds like, you know, sometimes like a, a piece of news just fits reality too well where you're almost suspicious of, of it because the narrative is so perfect but what i heard was that towns weren't doing fireworks shows this year so the price of fireworks just went through the floor and uh that coincides with my experience because we got about two thousand dollars more fireworks than usual like paying the same amount but just like we basically got like double the amount we'd usually get okay i understand basically like an early clearance yeah for all fireworks because uh they produced they produced more than they were expected to use. I can yeah, I mean, get behind that. Like three quarters of the towns seem to have canceled their things, so it kind of makes sense. We got all sorts yeah, of just, it shit. Se- like it seems irresponsible to do it, right? I mean, it was it was hella responsible when we were firing them off, but it was, uh, dude, it was beautiful. Like our neighborhood. I was mm-hmm. back in Connecticut, my dad's, and uh, dude, we put on a show for like forty five minutes. It was insane. We That's had all sorts of cakes and mortars. And, uh, yeah, dude, everybody was coming over, but like the whole neighborhood was just lit up. Like I've never seen anything like that. in you know, my 30, 35, I mean, I don't remember 35, 4th of July's, but in the 20 year, whatever I do remember, there's nothing close to that in terms of the number of people and the class of fireworks they had. That's, that's outstanding. I think that I, I've never shot anything off more than a Roman candle. Really? Or a sparkler. Yeah. I just like never... Like never really got into it. I'll go oh, watch dude, them. Gotta, I enjoy it, but I just cool. like I I understand my own limitations, and <laughs> I if I did that on a regular basis, I would be I'd be missing something. Like a judge would be shuffling my decks uh, <laughs> every round. Um, I'd have to have a special seat and, and all of that, and I I don't I don't want to have that happen to me. I feel you, bro. No, it's awesome though. Like it's it's just sort of like a big fuck you to you know the everybody who's saying don't fire off fireworks it's like a very american spirit kind of thing i think like a very it is it is bombing your nose to the authority yep you put your mask right on the fireworks you light them you just blow it up yeah and uh, it was great you go directly cough on your neighbors it's great getting out of massachusetts was amazing though (laughs) like just not having the expectation of wearing a mask when you're literally alone this is uh, I don't want to I don't want to have this conversation because we're 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 starting to talk about like how we're gonna get back into school and like the projection of this and I'm like man once it starts to get cold again like we're gonna be boned we're gonna be going back like I don't want to talk about it again but I think there's way more bad stuff coming 
Yeah, well, it felt good to get out this weekend and sort of forget about it for a minute. I got a little mm-hmm. bit of a tan going, you know, got a, yeah. got a hair. I got, I got yelled at at the grocery store today. I went what? grocery shopping and there wasn't a sign or anything saying that you could not go out the right exit of the market basket. Oh, God. So I, so I, parked, I parked on that side. So when I, when I finished checking out, I took a right. And this lady's standing there. And she's like, no, you can't go out that way. And she gave me like a stern talking to. I'm like, where the fuck? Where does it say that? Maybe <laughs> maybe put an arrow on the ground. Maybe say, don't go out this door. Instead, you're just like telling me I can't go out that way. And I'm right here. Yeah. There's nobody else around me. And there's no signs. How the fuck was I supposed to know? Bro, did you hear about the guy who got arrested for making a uh, inescapable maze in the Ikea? Uh-huh. So I think I, I saw it. I assumed it was clickbait and I didn't I don't, Yeah, I don't it. know if it's true or not, but I saw that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like a, like, it can't be inescapable. You just, you can't follow the arrows, but I think. Well, I, you like, don't give... rules like you, apparently it's not inescapable, but for the people who are reading the signs. <laughs> it's, honestly, it's kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. I, I hope it really happened, but I kind of doubt it. Dude, so yeah, it was a good fourth. This is also we should mention the second anniversary of our podcast two fucking years two years now we both both have new places to live different things going on in our life but we're still here talking about magic oh yeah just to update i should probably update the listeners on what's going on i'm uh our place that we're moving into isn't ready till the 23rd of july so i'm staying with my in-laws for three weeks right now and i'm recording on the back porch so if there's a little more background noise than you're used to. If I sound like I'm uh, no longer in a closet, also, that could be the reason. Good for you. Our new place is sick, though, bro, and it's $500 less a month. Yeah, so my uh, my sister made her move um, last week. And oh. my brother my brother met up with her, actually, at an Ikea to like help her get the furniture in her car and go back and build it and everything. And her place is beautiful, and it's so much less expensive than the place that they had, uh, place that they had near Boston. She's in Columbus, is that right? Yeah, yep. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I think it's I think it's a short north area of Columbus. Sweet. And uh, yeah, my brother's in Cincinnati, so I think that's like three three hours away, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. Could be. But yeah, dude, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'll give you a virtual tour when I get out there, but it's a lot more space and a lot more rooms and uh seems like I'll have a lot of space to record, so uh we'll see how this goes. You'll have your own little office. I can't I can't wait to see it. Yeah, dude, on its own little floor. Yeah, we were uh we were going to finish the third floor until we had some stuff happen today with the plumbing. Oh. And uh I was going to do my own like last week we missed our episode because of all the stuff going on and I was like really planning on doing like a solo episode like i'm gonna pat you glow it i'm gonna <laughs> sit down and it's just gonna be me and the microphone and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about stuff and people are gonna be like hey that was great and uh then our ceiling started leaking in the kitchen so we had we had a bunch of work done today uh where they had to like redo all of the all of the drains and the pipes in our second floor bathroom um like and that that was not fun so that was my day today. Yeah, yep, that's the that's the noise. Yeah. I am going to have so mu- I thought I was going to have so much extra money to get all of this stuff done and then like you have one thing like that happen and you're like, "All right, so now I'm broke again." 
Dude, that is the worst. Patreon.com slash the dead format. <laughs> yeah, dude, that sucks. I'm sorry. I uh I don't uh I don't know your pain, but soon I will, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh you definitely will. You will eventually. You'll be like, that's what Tom was talking about. Wow, that sucks. <laughs> well, I'm gonna be out in the middle of uh the frozen tundra outside Edmonton, so I'm gonna have to be doing it myself, I think. But we'll see. So you actually think that's where you want to settle? I like, don't know, I... man. I've been working on it this week. I've been trying to work that angle. Okay, so let's say that you could pick three spots where you're like, this is where I'm going to perma- permanently sh- set up shop. What are, your, what are your thoughts on the top three? I mean, are there concerns about, like, visas and stuff? No, imagine you're just like, you, you have the pull to get a visa yeah. anywhere. Edmonton number one. Okay, that's yeah, that's easy. a choice not many people would have made. Yeah, easy. I, res- I respect it though. There's a lot of reasons. Some people, if you're familiar, you probably know the reasons. But um, <sighs> number two would probably just be back here, like in, okay. in the um, New York Boston corridor, right? Somewhere along 95. Makes sense. Yep. And number three would be. Um, Probably an island, I guess, like uh, Newfoundland or something. Okay. Uh, that's okay. I got you. Those are three very solid choices. Yeah, bro. So we'll see how it goes. But anyway, we uh, obviously no episode last week. Oh, real quick, before we get into the uh, the actual podcast podcast, I wanted to shout out the Constructed. What's it called? The The Legacy Constructed League. The CLL. Yeah, what does that stand for? Community Legacy League. There we go. Community Legacy League. They uh they partnered. First of all, they started back up. And they do their thing on like Gatherling or whatever, where you, you sort of like meet up with people and play your rounds and report. And they partnered up with Mana Traders, our uh, former buddies. And I guess if people sign up with their promo code, that money, the discount money, goes into the pool for the CLL. That's so awesome. And also, the the dude who does it at Bobo Fraggles, I believe is the name, mm-hmm. uh, is throwing in some some sort of like uh, random but pretty sweet prizes I've seen. So I just wanted to shout that out. If anybody's interested, that is, uh, that's a fun way to play Legacy and not have any pressure to play like a meta deck or like I can't afford for some negations or something, you know? Yep. I So I can't say enough good things about that. That's how I started playing uh, Magic Online. Like... I didn't want to hop right into leagues because I wasn't super experienced with the interface. Um, and I learned how to play Magic Online by playing in the CLL and then sort of hop my way into leagues and everything. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's a good time. I recommend it highly to anybody who's uh, available to play on Moto. And obviously there's a lot more Moto playing going on right now. So That is a very true story. Yeah, bro. So, oh yeah, dude. I heard a I heard a math joke. It's it's more like a dad joke, but you're the Both? you're the uh, nexus of of math <laughs> and dad. So I gotta I gotta run this one on you. Okay, this this should have been your Jason Alt joke. Yeah. Remember how Why? awkward it was where he's like, "Okay, hit me with a joke," and you're like, "Uh." Bro, the jokes the jokes are so bad. We should have a. 
<laughs> we should have a patron episode where I read the jokes, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll do it as an after hours. Yeah. Why is six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. No, because seven's a registered sex offender. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I thought that was the dad joke, and I was like, oh, it is. It's a weird. It's a weird type of father I mean, telling uh, that joke. <laughs> it's eighteen plus, right? It's a dad joke. <sighs> So basically, there were um, two legacy challenges, four legacy challenges, two weeks worth of challenges that we could just sit here and read blah, 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 right? But do you want to do that? No. In fact, I saw your cast notes and I was like, fuck. Yeah. Not, not this. And do do our listeners want us to do that, do you think? They probably do. (laughs) <laughs> They're like I, f- I find joy in their misery, going through nine million Magic Online tournaments with the same thirty players. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, reading through every deck list in critical detail. Yeah, well, you have your your finger closer on the pulse of of our listenership, so you're probably right about that. But well, no, our listenership dropped by like half, so obviously I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was no, actually that's listening a, that's to some stuff about yeah. podcasts in general over the past three months it's really interesting what's happened man well i think that the media the medium just might not be what's what's needed in today's um culture you know podcasts used to be great having the background when you're doing other stuff right now now everybody's home nobody's driving you have more time to do other stuff so maybe we need to make the hop over to video yeah, so that was sort of my first assumption. And it's, it's such a shame because I look so good tonight. It would be a great night to start video. but With your we, tan and your haircut? Yeah, yeah, bro, exactly. You can show people your mullet. <laughs> I got called out on having a rat tail this weekend. So I, I guess I didn't get all of it. But basically, <laughs> um, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, people listen to podcasts because it's like a hand-free brain engagement you know you can drive you can you can do data entry or whatever and and listen to it and that's just not where we're at right now so there's actually been growth in like the the one percent it's like the you know the pareto principle where the the things that are huge grow uh sort of like the the billionaires uh getting richer in the pandemic or whatever Mm -hmm. Like things that once they reach a certain size, they just grow. They continue to grow and everything else doesn't grow as quickly. So basically um, there's been growth at the at the very top of podcasts, but everything else has really leveled off. And there's been a lot of new entries into the game because people just have time on their hands, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of caused like a uh, distributing effect in terms of listenership. So, yeah, it's really interesting, man, what, what's happening. Yeah, I, I was just making that joke because I know that I I experience the same thing. I listen to podcasts when when I drive. Yeah. And when I moved, I, I'm walking to work, I have way less time to listen. I just that sort of time that I had to pay attention but wasn't doing anything important is now just sort of cut. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I feel it. I understand why. Yeah, exactly, man. It is pretty wild, you know, what's what's happening. Dude, I don't even know. Like, I, I've, I've been actually trying to stay off Twitter lately. Um, not, not even so much a conscious decision as just like, 
I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to do this today. Okay. So like, I, I'm not, I haven't been following like the leagues. Like, what's going on? Is like baseball starting back up right now? I, I think that they're. I don't know if they reached an agreement, um, like a final agreement, but I heard that they're having a hundred game season. I believe was the final number. I think the NBA is coming back to play in a bubble, uh, which I which I think is like the worst idea of all time because like NBA NBA players don't listen to their fucking coaches. <laughs> you think they're gonna listen to like uh, you got to stay in the bubble, you can't go out, and to to fucking have it in Florida, it would literally Ugh. be the worst place that you would want to put a bunch of people who are rich and famous and play basketball that all have to live and play in this bubble. It's, it's, it's disastrous. Oh, that's disgusting, man. Right? Like I, I don't, I understand why they're having it at the Disney world of sports. They have the facilities and all of that. But the fact that like Florida is having such a huge problem and, and a pretty big resurgence just makes it seem like a really dumb decision to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, sounds bad for a lot of reasons yep but they'll make advertising dollars and they'll get the tv contracts so fuck the health of their players i guess i heard that they're all going to be named like black lives matter or something on their jerseys i I mean i could i could see a black lives matter band or something on jerseys i yeah no no, like their name like instead of like lebron james on the back oh okay yeah oh that's where they're going with it i mean they already like completely bastardized all the nba jerseys the celtics have a ge logo on it like it's <laughs> yeah, i mean they do don't they that's true actually yeah it's like they're uh, i know that soccer soccer jerseys have had that on it for a while and it's a huge source of extra revenue but like the first time i saw that ge logo on the celtics i'm like this is just this is something wrong with this yeah yeah it's very nascar yeah very just i don't know Bro, as, as an Irishman, though, how much does it bother you if there's a team called the Celtics? Not at all. If I take <laughs> sort of pride in it. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I like that. I Like, I think that my – it's not like it's the Cleveland Indians or the Washington Redskins. Right? Okay. It's not like uh, they name them the Boston Alcoholics <laughs> uh, or, like, the Boston Potato Famine. Like, it's it's not it's not anything offensive to me. But I'm in. I'm in the majority. I have that privilege. Gotcha. All right. So this week we had two challenges. Last week we had two challenges. I really don't want to just start reading off names, but I'm going to start with last week. The big news. Sunday's challenge was won by World Gorger Dragon Snow Deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which. I mean, we talked about, right? We we talked about this deck for the past two years, really. Well, there's been a huge following on social media in the meme game with this deck. And uh, you throw enough darts, <laughs> one of them is bound to hit the bullseye. And that's kind of what this deck is, too, right? Like, it's sort of like a shotgun of darts. <laughs> I mean, you can you can call it that. And once yeah. they get rolling, you get a lot of darts. But yes, I, I would say that. And this... I think I, I, I sort of talked about how much I like the composition of the deck. I like the fact how it doesn't look like a combo deck until it kills you. How it does have that sort of mid-range backup game plan. And uh, I, I never I never hated this deck. But I, I don't know if we want to take a look at like 
the performance of hey look at one as all right now we need to take we need to take a look at this at this as a serious contender that is the future of legacy i mean it might be i just don't i don't think it is yeah no i feel you but the uh the thing that i think i really wanted to mention about this was two copies of teferi master of time in the main deck yep and i saw i wish i could remember but it's so long ago now you know 10 days or whatever but um somebody commented i guess teferi's playable on legacy and somebody responded as playable as dusk mantle guild mage because that card's also in this deck Yep. Which I thought was a great response because this deck really, I mean, you're either playing Rel Gorger or you're playing Fair. So you're giving up like seven cards in your deck sometimes, yep. right? Like pretty much useless. I mean, you can you can cast Entomb on a on a Uro, right? And right. that's that's kind of value, right? Or you can uh animate dead a, an Ice Fang Coatl and that's kind of value-ish. But basically, the point is like you're you're winning with half your deck, right? So right. You, but I mean, like, there's more. Um, there's more incidental stuff, like you talked about. I think those are very valid plans for the deck because they they do come up so often. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you are you are right that half of your deck is combo. There's just more. There's more play with those cards outside of the combo in the world gorger shell compared to a traditional reanimate shell. Right. If you want to think about it that way. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, to fairy master of time, we see it show up. Dude, this is reminding me right now that I have a league open right now where I drafted my first to fairy master of time and it was $40 card when I drafted it. And it's been how much like, is it now? I don't know. It's been like a week and a half. I got to look it up right now. Cause I'm going to be pissed if I didn't play this league and lost like 25 tickets or whatever. Mm, yeah. That's going to suck. Yep. Let's find it's out. It's probably going to happen. You're going to like look at the mana trader's price and you're like, oh, it's down to that already? Yep. Ugh. Let's see. 29.15. So I only lost 11 bucks. Not too bad. And you haven't finished the league yet? No, i got to finish <laughs> that league. <laughs> I know. It's probably going to be another. It's not going to be tonight. I'll tell you that much. Also, though, now that I'm looking at this price thing. Yeah. Terror of the Peaks is the second most expensive card in this set. Wow. At eight dollars eight tickets rather. That was uh, the red the red five drop flying. Yeah, so it was three red red for a five four flyer. Yep. Targeting it costs three life. And when another creature enters the battlefield, it does damage to one of their creatures equal to its power. Or them. So we talked about it in, in terms of like uh oops all spells and stuff, like as a sort of like a Kolag uh Dragon Lord Colagon sort of uh I forget the alternate I, finisher. Yeah, I always forget the name of the other one, but Hair, uh, Flare of the Hatebound. Flare of the Hatebound. There we go. Like yep. an alternate finisher for that sort of deck. Mm-hmm. But basically, um, this card showed up too in in. I don't remember if it was in the challenges this week or in the deck dump that I looked at, but it showed up in a Stompy deck as like a three of. Okay. And uh, I mean, like it's it's obviously a powerful card. I I don't know. If another five drop is really uh right, yeah, no, no, I feel you, man. I I don't think that it really merits conversation. Like literally, any any card can get you there in that deck, right? Yep. But I felt like you know mentioning it because I was looking at it. 
so yeah, basically we had um we had Royal Gorger take down a challenge. Big news for the meme community. And we also saw Shepard, Allosaurus Shepard, I believe it's called, show up for the first time last week. And it showed up again this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that you sort of, you, you had hushed um, optimism about the card. You, were, you weren't really like, you weren't excited by it. But I thought the card was really good and I thought it was going to see quite a bit of play. Yeah, where I finally landed on it was that I thought it would probably be a one-of as like a green sun target. Mm-hmm. and then like potentially you could have more in the sideboard but the two decks that have shown up and i believe they took fifth and 13th respectively they've been a three of main deck which is pretty convincing um to see it show up with that kind of results because it's really not a card that i thought would see multiple copies because the second copy is so bad right well it, uh, okay so a redundant copy is obviously not super great, but having access to it, like obviously you understand it's a powerful effect and having access to that effect more often, like makes a lot of sense why you would want to play multiples. So I can see it. I can see it as multiple, like a, a three of. Yeah. Of, well, I guess that pilot's good too, because I, I didn't see it personally because like, I mean, even with like query on tricks or whatever, you can protect it. So I really didn't think it was going to get multiple copies, but it did. There was, however, I wanted to mention an Elves deck that showed up without Allosaurus Shepherd. And mm-hmm. also, one of the two Allosaurus Shepherd's decks, the one that took uh, 13th in this week's challenge, was not playing Natural Order. It was playing Allosaurus Shepherd basically in the place of Natural Order because, you know, you usually see three of those. Wow, that's. That's strange. I yeah. thought that that card would really combi- like combo well with Green Sun because uh, sorry with uh with Natural Order because that a lot of the time is like I guess you kind of sideboard it out against blue decks a lot because it gets countered, but that effect is so huge and being able to have it be uncounterable would have lent me to try to play them together. Yes, exactly, man. It, it, that's like the card, right? The the card where you're gonna you're two for wanting yourself if it gets countered and you you don't have Cavern of Souls or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it seemed really unlikely to build the deck that way, but obviously it worked for someone. Yep, and I, maybe like I haven't gone through and completely figured this out, but maybe maybe just elves in general is really well positioned. Maybe like the go low and wide creature decks don't have a ton of predators right now, right. so it could be just like a. It doesn't matter if you play it or not; those type of decks are good. So right. it'll be interesting to see how everything works out. So the other card that we were really high on from the set review that has shown up in both challenges is Conspicuous Snoop, the Red Red Goblin 2-2 that we've talked about. That's the activated abilities from the top of your deck. And the question, because we both felt like it was a Goblin's card, but the question that we had that we were sort of torn on was whether it alters the construction of the deck or it just goes into the deck, right? Right. And the what I think the best list is, the the, the one that I've seen that I, I, I feel the most confident stamping mm-hmm. is three copies of Hoggart, ba- Boggart's, what's it called? Uh, uh, the six drop? No, no. So that's that's a deck that showed up this week. But Boggart, are you talking about the like five drop that's black? 
Oh yeah, Bogart Harbing- Harbinger. It's like it's like three it's like three and two black, and it has some. Is that the one you're talking about? I didn't think it was. I thought it was just uh, two and a black, but I could be wrong. But basically, I'm, it's like yeah, I'm thinking of like a really and put card. it on top. Okay, I'm thinking of a different card. Okay, so it's it's got uh, three of those. Uh, Bogart Harbinger and one Kiki Jiki, so you can combo off. And if you're if you don't have a Snoop in play, you can just you know tutor Vampiric tutor for a Goblin and it's get a ringleader or whatever. It's still fine. Okay. And one another one we completely missed in the Goblin shells was uh, Muxus. Yeah, I didn't see that card at all. And I I never thought that a six drop would see playing Goblins. I yeah, like I just I did see it. I wouldn't have talked about it. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I understood it was a goblin. I thought that was like, all right, maybe it'll see play in like, uh, like a like a Grenzo EDH deck or something like that. So it's a six mana four four, with like a battle cry, I guess you'd call it. Yep. Goblin battle cry, but it also has like a five five card ringleader effect when you cast it. Yeah, I mean the effect is good. I just thought the mana cost was going to be so restrictive that like, yeah. who's going to take a vial up to six? Because you're you're not going to get six mana. So. Yeah. Probably not. I don't know, man. I've had some really long games against goblins. Well, I'm also playing shark still, so that doesn't help. <laughs> but yeah. Um, speaking of shark still, though, man, that deck really since I basically since I moved, I had we had a move out on June 30th, so there were a couple of days when I was really busy moving. So I basically unplugged my computer on like June 27th or something and stopped playing leagues and. In that period, like the day that I stopped playing, Noah Walker, I think, had, had an article published by CFB that was like how to sideboard Shark Still and how to play Shark Still, and maybe there's a video of him 5 0 in the league or something. Nice. I, and, I didn't see that, but Noah's awesome. Yeah, and then Anurag got maybe 13th in a challenge that week with the deck, and somebody else top aided recently with the deck. It's gotten a lot of attention, basically. It, it went from, like, uh, Tier 2, everybody would, like, comment on it when I played with them, like, a month ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, you know, it's... There's there's really not much for control decks going on right now. There's different various shades of, like, Bugly Evolved that show up in, like, the top 32 of the challenge, but... Like, Strifo Pile and Loam mm-hmm. decks, but... It's kind of like the Miracles deck now, right? And I mean, it's not like it's good like Miracles used to be or something, but it's like the the hard control deck now, you know. Okay, I um, I have not I have not had my <laughs> my finger on the pulse to know that Shark Still was the next thing. Yeah, it's really it's showing up a lot, man. Like more than I would have expected it to. So this week on Saturday, Jernandy took sixth with shark still and this was um similar to my build except it has no copies of myth realized and there are two supreme verdicts four plows and a path to exile and i totally understand how this person got there because my biggest problem with the deck is i was could not beat eldrazi aggro like it doesn't seem like it would be that bad of a matchup honestly and i just kept getting dumpstered man like over and over there was no way for me to beat it so uh, I had also gone up to uh, two Supreme Verdicts in my main deck. Like, I totally understand this build. The No Myth Realize is kind of surprising, but uh, it, I definitely 
it, it could be correct, you know. I'm not Yeah, gonna... I mean like I feel like there's a little bit of uh uh I don't know, space issues if you're playing like the actual shark still and myth realized like you don't need that many win conditions but yeah the, the problem is surgicals right so okay so you want to just have you diversify, want to diversify a little yeah because like you know teferi can't win you a game mm-hmm. uh this deck does have two jaces though so that is a little bit more win condition okay and a bane slayer in the sideboard which i actually really like and two mentors in the sideboard so that that's good protection against surgical because i was getting surgical a lot especially because i was playing the uh, hall of heliod version mm-hmm. this is skipping the hall which honestly based on my experience i think is crazy but this is a blood moon sideboard plan so maybe that is a uh, part of a, a larger thesis on the deck yeah, I think that I, I don't know enough about it to be able to talk about why certain choices were made, but um, but it seems reasonable that Blood Moon out of the sideboard could be really good, and maybe it's just like a combination of like how many threats you have and how you sideboard certain matchups, and those things are really hard to take a look at and figure out exactly how the pilot plays the deck in sideboards. Yeah. Because you can have like similar lists... And people play them completely differently, and they like they both can have completely like cogent game plans, but just go about it in a completely different way. Exactly. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of room right now to build this deck really differently. Like I don't feel like anybody's really that I've seen has really hit it on the head yet. Yep. And maybe you know one build will sort of pick up steam. It could be this build. It could be a totally different build, but. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of room. One thing that really bothered me about this deck was just playing Teferi in general. Yeah. Like, it feels so bad, man. Like, there have been multiple games where people scooped to my turn three Teferi, and I just felt mm-hmm. I just felt bad, you know? Like, uh, our buddy do Marcus. Do you really, though? Don't yeah. you just, like, scoop up those wins and, like, drink in the salty tears? No, not at all, man. I, Teferi, like, I don't know. It's worse than when I was playing Oko, in my opinion. Like, Teferi just feels bad because I really disagree with it on, like, a a more, like, uh, I don't know. Like, it's a card advantage engine that, like, takes out complete whole blocks of cards from your opponent's deck. Yeah. And replaces itself and does all of these things that it shouldn't do for three mana. Yeah, man. Like, at a very... (laughs) Yep. Have have we seen a pattern here with some of the problem cards that Wizards yeah. have printed recently that do exactly that for three mana? Oh, bro. In the process of packing, I had to get rid of a lot of cards because it, I just didn't want to carry them all around. And ripping up or burning cards has felt so good. Like, just, just out of anger. Like, it's been cathartic for me. So just, what, like, okay, so what cards have you ripped up and or burnt? Only new cards, only cards from, new, you know, new card frame or whatever. Okay. Like uh, post-Magic Origins, or I guess it was, the latest card frame change. So did you just, like, take a look at, like, a bunch of bulk you had, and you're just like, I'm going to burn it? Yes. Or were you, like, were you just, like, looking at individual cards, and you're like, I just hate the art on this card, let me burn it? <laughs> no, that would be every card. I was basically, like, thumbing through, like, I bought, like, a bunch of Akoria, not a bunch, but, like, four yep. four pre-release packs and, like, a fat pack, just to support local stores or whatever. 
And I only ended up keeping like 10 or 15 of the cards and ripping up the rest of them. It, I gotcha. it just felt good, man, you know, to, to do that. I did that for like War of the Spark and, you know, I would keep like the Dovin's Vetoes and the the uh, Tyrant Scorns, but like rip up everything else. Felt yep. Good. And, like, Rich scolded me, our buddy Rich scolded me, because, like, you, you know, they're worth money or whatever, hypothetically. You could have given them to somebody. Yeah, you could give them to somebody. But I've been saying I'm going to do that for so long, it's just, like, not going to happen, so. You could have, like, dropped them off at gaming, etc. And just <laughs> said, like, here, like, you can have these instead of me just destroying value. I probably should have done that, yeah. That would have been a great thing to do. Probably. But you're you just wanted to burn things, and I get it. It did feel it, good though, yeah. Yeah. There was like a, a, I don't know, man. You want to know a funny story? What's up? When I worked for the card store in Harrison's, uh, <laughs> they gave it away. When I worked for the card store in Salem, that I, I don't want to name, uh, <laughs> the mat the person who ran Magic, uh, had a house with um like a few other like Magic players, gaming adjacent people. And um, they ran out of heating oil in the winter, and none of them could afford to uh, to buy more because it was going to be like eight hundred or a thousand dollars to fill their tank. Um, and they had a fireplace, and they for a week or two in the deathly cold winter burnt magic bulk for warmth. Um, wow! So there, there is, there are uses for. Uh, some of the new bordered cards dude that's incredible yeah oh it was so bad we would go there to draft <laughs> and they'd be like i'm so sorry we're out of heat so we'd be huddled in like the game room <laughs> people would be playing like smash and it would still smell kind of sweaty but now there's this this other smell of like ink burning that shouldn't be burnt and, like fumes it was Definitely it was toxic. gross and uh yeah nice yeah, using the Smash players for heat, that's a, uh, oh. that's a gamer move right there. Oh, man. <laughs> they're, Sorry, they're... I don't know why I told that story, but that, that really happened. That's pretty awesome. Yep. So, yeah, check out uh, Harrison's in Salem. <laughs> so, seventh, seventh place in this challenge from Saturday. We have to talk about this, bro. Overhaul. Playing Rector Fit, your favorite deck. No copies of the card that we talked about from last week that I'm forgetting the name of, but the Alter Dreep for one mana. Mm -hmm. But there is a Vraska Golgari Queen in this deck. There are three copies of Once Upon a Time and mm -hmm. the Curse Package with Curse of Misfortunes, Curse of Exhaustion, Curse of Death's Hold, Overwhelming Splendor, and Omniscience. This deck, I believe Overhaul came in like 15th, and seventh on back-to-back -back challenges. Mm -hmm. And th this is part of an overall pattern I noticed with the challenges when I was looking at all four of them, getting ready for this show, is there were a, a lot fewer Brainstorm decks than I recall seeing. And almost half the Brainstorm decks that top-aided one of these challenges were Rug Delver, specifically. Mm -hmm. So there are just so many decks that are either things like you know, basically mono red painter with veil of summer or, uh, bug, uh, the bug Titan primeval Titan deck, you know, like non, non blue or basically non blue, like loam with just Oko, you know, mm -hmm. 
What do you think that says about the meta right now? That the traditional death grip that blue decks have had on the format is loosening up. And I think that has a lot to do with Astrolabe and mana bases in general not being vulnerable to Wasteland. So in the past, a lot of the blue dominance has been fueled by either like a very powerful card advantage engine, like, uh, like I don't know, Counterbalance Lock or a Jace, um, or, or the tempo fueled by Wasteland and Days. And I don't... I think that there's lots of ways to build your mana base around that nowadays. And the Delver package is just a little, a little weaker versus the field in general. And that's probably why. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. I kind of feel like, um, it's interesting because we got force of negation to sort of keep combo in check. It, ostensibly. Right. I mean like on paper, on paper, yeah, you get exactly. another on paper. You get another copy of Force of Will, but like, they, it's not like they were hurting for discard outlets, right? right? And like, the, there's you still have more duress effects than you do Force of Wills, so right. And the combo decks that we're seeing now are like Hogak, Turbo Depths, uh, like uh, what do you call it? The the Titan deck, like decks that make use of their graveyard. And there's Uros and like a lot of recursion, like the the painter deck, or like uh, you know, with Goblin Welder and and the uh, redundant copy of Welder now. Yep. So and decks that are that are less vulnerable to Force of Will. Exactly, man. It just feels like the the combo decks are so resilient that you know Hate Bears are are just so much better than Counter Magic. And after I my rating, I I, I did well. Like I. I didn't lose tickets playing Legacy for three weeks or whatever, playing leagues with Shark still. Yeah. But my rating went down like almost a hundred points. Like I really wasn't doing very well. And I didn't feel like I was playing the deck very poorly. There were quite a few games I had to scoop because I got like work calls or something. Yeah. But um you know, not not that many more than normal. And I just felt like, you know, the deck wasn't really that well positioned and any adjustments that i made i felt very tom karen's about this because any adjustments i made felt hella reactionary like it was just a reaction to whatever matchup i played most recently mm-hmm. and, or like the the one where you're like oh if i just had yes this card in my sideboard i'd have a shot and and really like there's nothing wrong with that that's the way no. that most people like function yeah and you do that enough you have those reactions enough and you start to like build your list incrementally over time you're not sitting there like trying to sandbox your perfect list from the start i don't know if sandboxing is the correct term for that but yeah it's fine um yeah i i understand yeah dude and so that like that's sort of what i was doing and just like iterating the list by by making small tweaks that way and never feeling like i really had a grasp on the meta game i guess you could say and I think that's sort of just where we are now. Like there's a ton of powerful decks going in all different directions. Like, you know, there's Loam and Depths and and then there's Eldrazi Aggro. There's still always gonna be Delver decks, there's still always gonna be mid range blue decks, but then there's there's like these sort of painter and uh uh what's the word for the Oriac Salvagers deck? But Bomberman. Bo- thank you, Bomberman. And 
it, it's just like a lot of directions to be pulled where there's I, I don't feel like there's as much overlap right i mean like counterspell is still good and you know ways to ways to interact with anything basically are 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 more at a premium now than I think ever before. So cards like we're seeing Eliminate show up now, but like Assassin's Trophy, Abrupt Decay, yeah, that, that sort of interaction is still as good as it ever was. But I don't know, man. I I, I kind of just felt like it was Wild West the whole time I was playing, and I wasn't really getting anywhere because I never really had a target. Yeah, well, I mean, you talked about the sort of not downfall, but like the lack of a stranglehold on the format that blue used to have and when that happens the metagame gets like more wide and varied yeah and it's definitely harder to lock down like okay here are the top four decks but you're still playing against a bunch of other stuff yeah another thing we've seen too is like a resurgence of infect like i played against a lot of infect decks and we're seeing i, I believe there were two uh one each weekend the top eight at a challenge and i i think honestly i think that has something to do with there was like that budget challenge if you recall like going back two weeks now there was mm-hmm. like somebody put up a bounty for the first person to five oh a league with a list that was less than five tickets okay somebody ended up doing it with treasure hunt and like a thassa's oracle i didn't know that yeah which was pretty pretty epic and within like 24 hours, someone did it with, you know, just like 56 lands, four treasure hunts, and a Thassa's Oracle or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, like, um, the the Infect deck, right, can close games out like a combo deck. So it probably has better matchups against certain non-blue decks. Yep. And it also has that, like, Delverish backup plan so I, I can understand why that that deck has like seen more people play it. Oh um, yeah, definitely. And I don't I don't mind it. I like I enjoy playing that deck. It's a style of deck I really like. Yeah, definitely. And you can even like sideboard Oko for when you have to go long and, and have like you know, some people would, would do cute shit like Great Sable Stag or True Nemesis and in fact to go like a different direction. Yep. But Oko is is a really good way of doing that, in my opinion. And people, we've seen people play Oko main deck in Infect too, which is fine. And we've talked about Oko as being like a uh, a good main deck card because it can switch roles so readily. But I feel like Infect is actually a good spot to sideboard that card. Mm-hmm. No, I can completely get behind that. It's a noble hierarch deck. Uh, you you have access to a little bit of mana ramp, so like. You have you have access to play that card on turn two in a in a semi combo deck. Yeah. It um, it it absolutely can do some work there. Yeah, for sure, man. Actually, somebody did. I was looking on the the legacy subreddit before we recorded, and somebody yeah. did like a meta game breakdown. I don't know if you saw this at all. I didn't. Basically, they compared the meta now to two years ago, which is basically like the exact time frame of our podcast. So it's pretty interesting. And in terms of like decks with two percent or more meta share, there's I believe five less decks than back then. But if you're looking at like one percent or more meta share, there's like five more decks now actually. Okay. And, um, so basically, by and large, the meta is still as varied as it was back then, but not really exponentially more varied or anything, just slightly more varied than it was back yep. then. 
Well, again, legacy slow to change, and yeah. it, it's not super. I don't want to say it's not super liquid because you can still like you can still move cards. Yeah, but it, it's stickier. Yes, than other formats. So that that doesn't surprise me. But the one thing that kind of stuck with me was the that Oko is the fourth most played card, uh, not land card. And so the, what is it? Brainstorm, ponder. Yeah, something Oko. Oko. So, okay. but, but then also, if you are to um, include lands, Oko's uh-huh. right there with Underground Sea at 28%. So that's like that's twice the proliferation of Astrolabe, even though people talk about Astrolabe all the time. Uh-huh. Oko really ha- is, by the numbers, having a bigger effect on the metagame, right? Yeah, well, like, okay. Oko can fit into more shells, but it's a two color. It's blue and green, right? So it's really right. But ban- I mean, like we're talking about shells. we're talking about legacy mana bases, right? Astrolabe, Astrolabe takes like a completely different take on deck construction, on your mana base construction, on like what cards you're playing. Mm-hmm. So I see how it's not as proliferative as Oko is, um, but. It still doesn't mean it changes the format uh, less, if that makes sense to you, because it's basically it, uh, like the I, I know what you're saying, and deck. I agree. But also, like, I just couldn't argue with the raw numbers. Like, I mean, you know, the, for example, like we've seen True Name just basically disappear, right? Right. And that that's really Oko's fault. Like, I mean, there's there's other cards that that like Plague Engineer that have a lot to do with it, but Oko's really the the problem with True Name. And... Okay, I I mean I think that like, Oko is obviously more flexible than True Name. It, it is almost as hard to remove, and it's the same casting cost, so it fits into a lot of shells. But you were talking about like Oko's just raw numbers, but does it infect deck with Oko? Like, does that fundamentally change anything about the deck? No, no, it's just it's just a good card in a deck. No, but I think infect is actually sort of like the exception to that rule. Where well, Rug Delver with Oko. Rug Delver with Oko, I think, does fundamentally change that deck because it it can play a long game. It can just shift into a long game. Okay. Seriously. Okay. And Dreadhorde Arcanist came along too, so that that plays sort of a, its own role in that, where Rug Delver can grind with you know any mid range deck. So it's kind of like a two pronged problem, where if only if it was only one of the cards, I don't think we'd really see this issue. But yeah. Together, they're making Rogue Delver like this go long deck, you know. All right, now I can see that. I don't know, man. It, it, it's really interesting, and I, I really enjoyed my matchups against Rogue Delver playing from the Shark Still side, probably because I felt it was a pretty good matchup. But um, they they were also fun games, I thought. But in general, I think that uh, it, whoever it was that wrote that article, I think made a pretty good case that. Maybe Oko should should get the axe. Well, I think that's that's one of the cards we've been talking about for a while, and I I hate to like bring up bannings almost every other episode or whatever it is, but like if a card sees that much play and it's not brainstorm, maybe maybe it should be looked at. But I think we're living in a world now where like there's just going to be more threats like that. Like you ban you ban the Oko and then maybe white becomes a splash color and everybody's playing Teferi. Yeah. Um how far how far do you want to go? 
because there are lots of cards that do similar things and uh the legacy mana bases are so good that you can just do everything yeah um i don't know that's my take on it i feel you man so yeah going back to like last saturday it was actually in the top eight there were only three brainstorm decks and seven of the eight decks had green as like a a serious color in the deck so like Mm -hmm. oh wait one more thing yeah sorry i i should have brought this up earlier but we're talking about like what how diverse the metagame is as like a measure of how good the gameplay is. You can have great gameplay in a non-diverse metagame. Right? Like Coblade Standard oh, was yeah. some of the best standard that I played, and that wasn't a diverse metagame. Right. But the gameplay was awesome. Oh yeah. So I think measuring measuring a format by its diversity is is kind of like a like a like a bad metric because you can have a super diverse format but all the matchups fucking suck to play and the format shit so it it can factor into decisions about the format but i don't like looking at diversity just as like here's here's how everything is doing here's the health of the format dude i i'm totally on board i always felt like that was sort of like a uh sort of like a very flat take like a I don't want to say like a low IQ kind of uh, simplification, but basically like a uh, I don't know, non-galaxy brained, yeah, like exactly. a like a two-head take, yeah, like a false harbinger or something. It was like um, what what I always look for for a healthy metagame is like that square or that triangle that we've talked about countless mm-hmm. times of of three decks where they have they have like a round robin, rock scissors paper, or uh, whatever the four version of that would be. And then multiple decks that can beat two of those decks, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you can attack it from this direction or that direction. Those are the metagames that I think are the best, honestly, where you actually have, like, three decks that approach 10% meta share. And you, you sort of get a better feel for the meta, and that's sort of what we don't have right now. And yeah, and I think that, like, even if you have that, you still need to take a look a little bit further into the gameplay because if like that rock paper scissors metagame is like involved the decisions involved are like do you mulligan to leyline of the void and do you get it or not like right. that's still a that's still a shit format even if you have rock paper scissors agreed yeah there's more to it than that but in general when i'm thinking about healthy formats that's what i'm thinking about not not just diversity for diversity's sake that always seemed like kind of a uh likely scapegoat or something yeah, that doesn't strike me as odd at all that you you thought that <laughs> that I was on the uh... yeah. <laughs> all right, I got you. <laughs> so so basically, uh, <laughs> nice trap. So I feel like we have to mention. Oh, bro, did I tell you I have a friend who has a uh, small dick and sounds like an owl? <laughs> what yeah i have a friend who has, who has a small dick and sounds like an owl uh, you almost got me with that i didn't uh, get it until i said what uh, i fucking almost you almost got me god you dude. i'm not gonna lie about that i was about to follow it up and then i stopped myself and i got it <laughs> it's been a long day but i still didn't get trapped <laughs> right. that was good thanks so <laughs> <laughs> Down to the deck dump. I feel like we have to talk about this. <laughs> Somebody named Booch, 5-0'd, 
probably I feel like this has to be out of spite. They five would with Grixis Delver with four copies of Thieves Guild Enforcer. What does that card do again? Do you remember we talked about it? It's um it's a rogue. It's a one one rogue with flash. And when oh, it comes is this in, the one that makes all the flash stuff cost less? No, it comes in, you mill your opponent for two. Anytime you play a rogue, you mill your opponent for two. And it has, like, anti-threshold. So if your opponent has eight or more cards, it gets plus two, plus one in death touch. Oh, it's the stupid one. one. It's the card we talked about that was, like, basically just a, a plague rat. Not plague yeah, rat. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like yeah. a typhoid rat. But it, mm. it doesn't have death touch unless your opponent has threshold. So it's, like... Yeah really not even that good right like not even ambush viper good but it people talked about it somehow it got 200 upvotes in the legacy subreddit and mm-hmm. somebody played it in grixis delver and i know what you're gonna say about this is, is it's stifle grixis delver that threat could have been anything <laughs> it could have been anything it could have just been you know I don't know what it would have been because this deck it could have been two more Dreadhorde Arcanists and another Brazen Borrower and a True Name or something. Could have just been like a two one for one for a black. Yeah, like I, I get it, I understand it. the The card works better in a Stifle Shell for sure. Yep. So like, if you were trying to say, all right, I'm going to play this as a threat, you put you you want Stifle. So I, I understand why it's in that shell. I just question, I just question whether or not it was the best choice. Yeah, it really does fit with Stifle, you know, you can hold up interaction and it it does make make sense why it would be in this shell as opposed to some other shell like uh, Death Shadow or something where it really doesn't fit, but this isn't like full thought scour because the cards the, the upside just isn't there to to really build around it, you know. Right, like it's not it's not turning into a 5/5 five five or a 6/6 six six. like Yeah. It's still boltable. You, you don't you don't get a ton of payoff from doing it but i guess it is legacy and a lot of times incidentally your opponent is going to have that and it's a it's a mana efficient threat yeah there there was a time when i lost to uh rug delver with narnum renegade there's somebody i wish i could remember their name but there's somebody who plays that deck a lot online that was like the Kurt Ape, the the one green yes. two three. Okay, it, it's sort of like a Kurt Ape, but it has like a Revolt or something. Like Revolt, yep. Revolt is what powers it. So it was a you know it was a reasonable card because it it could trade with an angler if they timed it right, and it was just sort of a pain in the ass, and it went well with Winter Orb, you know. And mm-hmm. I got got by it a few times. So this is probably just that, right? I mean, you're talking about a powerful shell. Nobody would blink bat an eye if this shell 5-0'd, and then you just sneak in this threat instead of a different threat and build the deck right. You know, there's no no goofy shit anywhere else in the deck. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you take a look at the list. It is all what we would consider to be really good cards, yep. except, except that one. And yep. maybe I'm just completely missing the boat on the card. And maybe the card is better than I'm giving it credit for, but I mean, a lot of the times that like secondary threat to Delver could be anything. Yeah. And we talked about this back when Death Threat was banned. We were like, what's the next best single black threat for Grixis Delver? And what we came up with was like Death Shadow and Bomat Courier, which Mm -hmm. is not black, it's red, but you know what I'm saying? 
it's yeah, like it, it fits into the show there there wasn't anything there and there still isn't really you know i mean like we're talking about like tortured tormented hero or something like it literally <laughs> like you know literally like a two one for one you could play could play grave crawler yeah exactly so yeah. Ba- basically uh this in the absence of something else this card's fine i guess but we're still not sold on it i mean i'm not i i take it i'm, I'm yeah i'm definitely not and then one other card that showed up from the deck dump that I wanted to talk about because we didn't talk about, and then I played against it quite a bit in Limited. Yeah, I've, I've been playing M21 Limited and enjoying it. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't in the deck dump. It was in the first challenge. Two people played what they've termed Abyss Storm. It's Peer into the Abyss, which is yep. four black, black, black for a card that says target player loses half their life and draws half their library. And as soon as I played with the card in, yep. in limited, I was like, Oh man, this is probably a Spanish inquisition card that I just didn't even notice, you know? And that's yeah, not, I mean, like, that's not what this is though. This deck. Okay. So describe what this deck is trying to do with it. I, I don't really know, man. It's a Grixis colored sort of like a test deck because it has dark rituals cabal rituals and rite of flames and four infernal tutors leds and lotus petals obviously but it has burning wishes with a peer in the sideboard and a peer in the main deck and yeah i mean your guess is as good as mine in in terms of how how do you think this deck has peer well, when I take a look at this deck, I feel like it's just like put together to try to see whether or not that card is breakable, like as an experiment, not not anything more than that. So, um, I, it's it's interesting that they're willing to go the extra route to play like all of the mana accelerators. Usually, you see storm decks like picking between Rite of Flame and Cabal Ritual, but this yep. deck has both. Um, so is this but, just better ad nauseum? I don't think it's better. I, I I would be very hesitant to say I think it's better. I think it's trying to do the same thing and probably isn't as good if I was to, to say that, right? Yeah, I mean, it's sorcery speed, but there is one upside to sorcery speed, which is it gets around to fairy, and you, you, you would still get equally blown out by Veil, I guess. But, like, you can just cast as Ad Nauseum during your turn. Right, true, true. So, it, like, it doesn't... Yeah. I understand what you're trying... To, I, I understand what you're trying to say, but it... it the yeah. downside is less because Ad Nauseum isn't as good as it usually would be, I guess, is a way to phrase that, but... Okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I didn't, I didn't think of it this way, but I guess it is kind of just like a... You know, if you're looking for that effect, that ad nauseum effect of draw 20 cards and lose some life, this this actually lets you, you know, not die to your ad nauseum. Although this deck is constructed in such a way that there really aren't very high casting costs in your deck, you probably wouldn't die to ad nauseum anyway. Right. I, I think it has very similar casting costs to Ant and Tess, and uh, that's just sort of how it works. Yeah. All right. But it's new. It's new, and it's probably X amount of cards different from any of the other Storm decks, so it got published. Yeah. Well, no, these are two... It showed up twice in the challenge, so... Oh, It's a okay. little better than a dump. Okay, okay. 
we're not dump status with this. But yeah, now respect to I, INF and Sharkcaster Mage, I want to say, were the two people who played it. Uh, yeah, I was actually right. Shit, that was kind of a guess, but... Wow, good for you. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, they um, they did at least four and three good with it, so respect. I guess uh, that's a card that we didn't talk about and maybe deserved a little bit of a mention, so I just wanted to shout it out. Yeah, I thought I I thought it was like EDH. Mm-hmm. Like, when I saw that card, I was like, okay. Um, obviously, the effect is super powerful. I just didn't see it here. Yeah, bro. All right. So I was thinking about this in our going into our third year of our podcast. What do you think Oof. about trying to, since people are have less time to listen to podcasts like we talked about, what do you think about trying to make a commitment to keep our episodes under one hour? I love that. I, think- I, w- I thought you were about to go. Would you like to instead, or in addition to the podcast, maybe record some leagues where you and I play together? Like we sit down and play a match and fucking dump on each other about lines and argue about something. Yo, that's actually and, a good idea. And then let let people talk about what we're talking about. That's actually a pretty good idea. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm, I was, I, that I came up with that off the top of my head. Yeah, that's that's. So we can have your your video on. Yeah. And uh, and you can you can carry the podcast. That's actually a pretty great idea. But no, we can do that for sure. But yeah, I was just thinking about how, like, getting ready for this episode today, I was gonna listen to another legacy podcast, and I just didn't because it's just so much time, right? to commit to listening to podcasts. And I feel like we've we've really fell into this groove of like this hour 10 minute episodes. And we've gotten a lot of feedback that the 50 minute episodes are are really like the sweet spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking that our goal maybe should be to aim. And you know, if you if listeners have any feedback on that, if you prefer the long episodes or prefer the short episodes, please let us know. Because I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I, th- I hear it. I think that a lot of the times when we have, when we have really long episodes, either it's an awesome guest and it's great they're long. I love those. Yeah. Or it's like a set review when we have a bunch of stuff we want. Yes. We have to talk about that. Those like, are we don't really long. Yeah. We don't really want to. Or like <laughs> we get super into a big tournament plus online weekend events plus a deck dump. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like those those episodes, we, we definitely do, but they're not our most inspiring. Correct. So so I, I completely hear you on that. All right, bro. So, yeah, I think that that should be a commitment and people let us know what you think. But if people want to get in touch with you to let you, to let you know how they feel about 50-minute podcasts, how should you can uh, You can find me at TSmileyMTG on Twitter. For this week, you can uh, you can create a Warcraft uh, World of Warcraft Classic account. You can whisper me uh, at Watts on Misrael, and uh, you can congratulate me on rank fourteen. Oh, bro! I found some mushrooms this weekend. Speaking of Watts, oh man! But uh, yeah, for <laughs> for the next week at least, I will be on yep. Twitter at Ian eighteen one twenty five. 
Yeah. Uh, the cast is deadformatcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. I have that on my uh, on my phone now, so I'll actually read it. Awesome. I don't. I updated my phone. I don't. Uh, I'm getting a new phone sent to me right now, so we'll see how long this lasts. But <laughs> uh, Jester's mom on Moto. Uh, holler at your boy. Yeah, dude. Is that everything we usually say? I think that is. Yeah, it's good. Usually, then you follow it up with, uh, that's a wrap. All right, that's a wrap.